Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. How are we doing this morning? All right. Sounds like you're awake. I wanted to start things off um, by telling you about my friend Zach here that I just put on the screen. Um, so Zachary was uh, looking for a job. He needed a job. You've probably been there before. Um, maybe you are there now. And uh, he went online, one of those, you know, trying to find a job online. And he saw a description of this, like, uh, too good to be true. Just like, it just talked about salary and benefits and, 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 and just was like, man, I'm going to apply for this job. So he did. And immediately got responded to for an interview. So Zach goes uh, to... Um, this place to interview, and the interview went amazing, really great people, they talk all about Zach's life, um, they, they talked again about the benefits and salary, and, and they offered Zachary the job right on the spot, so Zach took it, why not, this is amazing, right, so he goes home, he's gonna, you know, in a few days he's gonna start, and as he's getting ready to, to go to work, he realizes, I, I don't really know what this job does, <laughs> I don't know the purpose, how many go to work thinking that sometimes, <laughs> Hopefully not. Uh, you might be in trouble, right? But so, so he shows up, though. He's like, all right, well, they'll probably tell me when I get there. And so Zach gets to, gets to work. And, and, and again, everyone's very nice, but they're so busy running around doing stuff, right? So he's like, okay, what do I do? They lead him to an office, right? And they say, oh, we have a meeting at like 11. And, 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 and again, they're too busy to really talk to him. And so he's just sitting in his office like, I don't really know what to do. Uh, I guess I'll hang out and go to this meeting. And so he did. And, 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 he, and he went to other meetings and he began. But he still never was told what is the purpose of this job. And so he just looked around and he started doing what everyone else was doing. And he started kind of going to meetings, and pretty soon he was leading meetings, and pretty soon new employees were looking to Zach to figure out what to do, and at some point he stopped and he said, what are we actually doing here? Now, the story of Zach is more of a, you know, a little bit of a parable, that sometimes that's how people feel in a local church, right? You go, you feel like people are very nice, you're glad you're there, there's great benefits to being there, and, and things, good things are kind of happening, but at the same time, uh, everyone sometimes is so busy, like, what is our purpose? What are we actually doing, right? And because of that, we try to uh, periodically uh, just go through that a little bit. What is, uh, what do we believe at Cornerstone is our, our purpose? So for four weeks, we're going to look at, at some scriptures and bring this purpose statement out. If you've ever been to our new membership class, you've seen this, or been around long enough, you've seen this. It's just the acronym WORD. Right, and that's just to remember the word, right? And, and the biggest, most important thing to remember is right here. It's why we put it right here. Is everything is gospel-centered. That it comes out of the amazing grace of God that his son would die for us on the cross. Rise again and come, Lord Jesus, soon. Right? So because of that, everything we do is kind of born out of that. And so the, the purpose is, is kind of like a, think of it like a, a balance, Worship, outreach, relationships, and discipleship, all gospel-centered. And so we're going to kind of look at those things, um, and each week, these next four weeks, after every gathering over next door in the commons uh, area, the brand new, beautiful area, um, there's going to be a different, each week, different ministries set up that may 
uh, could be someplace or small groups or today a lot of things around the worship gathering that you might feel compelled to plug into if you're not already, okay? Um, so what we're going to do is start this week with the purpose of worship specifically getting into why do we do what we're doing right now? Like what is, why is that such a chief purpose of our lives? So before we get into some of the scriptures around that, let's, let's pray and ask for God's blessing. Father, we, we do ask for your blessing on this. Oh Lord, we seek to be worshipers of spirit and truth as Jesus described to that woman at the well a long time ago that we would, by your Holy Spirit, be mighty worshipers. And so Father, you know the deepest uh, parts of each and every heart that's in this room. Man, woman, boy, child, you know, oh God, what we need to be encouraged or convicted or inspired in some way. And, and so, Lord, we call upon your power and your glory today. In our, as you've already been so present in our singing and prayers and fellowship, oh Lord, I pray that this time would be honoring to you, your truth, your way. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Okay, so... Uh, we're going to be jumping on a little bit. We don't do this very often. Uh, a few different passages, but if you do want to open, we'll put it on the screen. We're going to start in Psalm 42. Uh, it's in the middle of your Bibles, if you don't know where the Psalms is. And so you just look for uh, chapter 42, and that's, they're all different Psalms. And that's where we're going we're gonna to start. You know, doing a message on worship, is, it's, it's a favorite topic of mine, but at the same time, it's sometimes really hard to grasp. Like, what... How do you talk about what worship is? It's just so all-encompassing, right? And, and so, uh, because it's just so throughout Scripture. And worship, um, if you just look at a, a definition in the dictionary, it just says something like, to give reverence and adoration to someone or something, usually a god or a deity, right? And, and so, it actually comes from the English word worth, T-H, ship, worship, right? So, so what you're saying when you worship right, is, is this is the high, deserves the highest reverence and adoration, and, or, or this person, or this thing, or this team, or this job, or whatever you might give the highest praise and adoration. And so the idea is the chief purpose of God's people has always been to worship. That worship is not to gain a feeling or to get something out of it. Worship is the chief purpose and end in of itself. That we were not made for us. We were actually made to worship God. That's what God's people are for. Right? So you look through scripture, you see that right away. Like Noah, I mean, right after the, the flood, the first thing he does when he gets on dry ground is he worships. Right? Things go pretty badly after that, but he does worship. The patriarchs, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you see powerful scenes. They're individual worship. And then individual worship turns into not just an individual, but, but inspires the individual uh, people of God to then gather. Right? So you see that as, as God rescues his people from Egypt, and, and uh, they come to Mount Sinai, and first of all, God gives the law to Moses to give to the people. What's the first of the Ten Commandments? Right? God says, do not have any other God before me. I am, he says, I am a jealous God. Think about that. You know, someone recently asked, uh, I do an online show, if you've ever seen it, it's called Ask, simple, remember, um, where you can submit questions, and someone recently asked it, like, isn't it bad that God is jealous? It says he's jealous. Isn't jealousy bad? It's a great question, and, and, and that, no, that's not always bad. When jealousy is bad is when you're jealous of something that you do not deserve or is not yours, right? That's when it's bad. 
but God does deserve the, the deepest adoration and reverence of all human beings. Most don't give it to him, but he deserves that. And for his people, he says, I'm jealous of that. I will not share the throne with anything else, right? And so you see, uh, as, as now God's people are, in, in, are numerous, they gather, right? They gather around the tent of meeting and they worship God through what? Song, testimony, repentance, truth being taught. All of these elements were part of the corporate worship. And then they settle in the land and they have the temple and they worship there. And feasts and specific days are when God's people gather. Now, when the Babylonian captivity happened and the temple was destroyed, synagogues began to pop up, right? So now they're local places because they didn't have the center of worship anymore. But again, they would people, God's people would gather, they would sing, they would teach truth and listen to it. They would give testimonies and all, all to bring worship and honor and praise to God. And, and so then the early church happens, right? That's why even today, though we're a different culture and much different time, it looks largely the same because the earliest Christians were Jewish or were used to that, and so they just brought that in, right? So song, the, the teaching and preaching of truth and hearing it, uh, testimonies of, uh, of our lives, of who God is, right? All of it has now still today, except now, as we'll see, it's gospel-centered, it's been crystallized because of Jesus. And so that's, in a nutshell, why worship is so important. And so um, as we look into God's word, there's so many places it describes not just worship, but people worshiping. But I wanted to bring you to one of my fra- favorites, and I'm sure it's, some of you it's, it's, it's going to be familiar, but Psalm 42. And, and Psalm 42 isn't just a, a, a psalm of worship. It's a psalm of lament. You remember when we went through Lamentations where it's those of God's people when, you, when you're in the, in, in, in the deepest struggle of your life, right, to lament towards God. And so here is somebody who is in a hard, deep, painful valley in their life. And yet, this is what he writes. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Is there any question who's the subject of this, right? God, God, the living God, right? And, 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 and you see by, by this psalm and this poetry, he's, he's expressing this amazing scene of thinking of a deer who's uh, so thirsty and everything is focused and I need water. I'm desperate for water. Has anyone ever been desperate for water? I'm so thirsty, right? I remember... Um, we were, uh, st- ha- my family was in Rhode Island on a vacation a few years ago, and uh, we decided to go over to Block Island. And even though it's close, I'd never actually been to Block Island before. And I've been to the Cape Islands, and I just thought Block Island was going to be more like that. So what I thought was there'd be places uh, around the, I- the island where there's stores. You could buy water. But Block Island has like a couple of stores when you first get there, and that's it, right? Have you ever been there? And so you know my wife, we had to bring bikes over and uh, ride across the entire island. Uh, 
And I wanted to pack light. So I'm like, oh, we'll just bring a few bottles. We'll buy more there. It'll be fine. We'll bring money, right? So we're riding our bikes up and down. Up, and we realize, oh, my goodness, we have no more water, right? And that was when Grace still had, like, she didn't even have a good bike. I felt so bad for her. She had, like, a child's bike. She's riding all around Block Island. And so all day long, we're like, we're gonna, we need to get back. And so finally we get back. We were going to have dinner at a restaurant there, right? So we get there, and we go into the restaurant, right? And, and like, they're, they're like, oh, welcome to whatever, right? And we're just like, water, water, right? And they actually gave us water, and all four of us are just, right, just desperate for this water, which, you know, normally you just take for granted. It's water, we need it, that's great. But when you are, you can't even speak because you need water, you realize how much it's life-sustaining, how desperate you are. So that's what he's saying, that, like, that, that, that this uh, he's in such a valley. He's in such a hard time. He's just like, I need God. Like someone who's dying of thirst needs water. I need to worship God. Right? So he, he, he tells us in, in verse 3, he says, My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where's your God? Right? His own tears are his food. He's sobbing. And, and, and his tears are personified. They're saying, they're mocking him. Where's your God now in this hard struggle? How great is your God now? Your life is a mess. That's what his tears are, are saying to him. And so he, he goes, this individual uh, worshiper, he, he says this, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. So you know what he remembers in his hard time is previous times of the corporate gathering, all of God's people praising God. And that remembrance, that encouragement is going to start lifting his heart and soul towards worship. Look at verse 5. He says, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And so he teaches us something, that worship is not just when things are going well. There are great times to make a joyful noise to the Lord. But then there are times, and it, there is something soul-stirring about being able to praise your God because he deserves it, regardless of the incredible struggle you're in. There's something testifying to those around you, and there's something that testifies to your own heart when you worship in the struggle. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Paul and Silas, they're in Philippi, and, and, and the gospel's flourishing, but there's so many people that hate it, and they come against them. And you, I don't know if you remember what happened, but they, they arrest them for no reason. It was completely unjust. And they beat them. Like, they beat them, right? This wasn't just a little slap on the wrist. They had, you know, probably flesh hanging off. They're bruised and beaten right there. And it says they put them into the deepest part of the jail, and they put them in stocks, right, for the night. And, and I don't know, the archaeology has discovered, like, what they would make these jails, um, they would actually make them purposely with a slope. Because if you're in prison, right, and you're in stocks, and you have to go to the bathroom, what are you going to do? They, you don't get the call, and can I get a pass to go to the restroom? No, no, no. You go right where you are. And so they wanted to make it easier to clean, so they sloped to the floor. And so all that mess would slope downhill. And so when you were put in the deepest, darkest part of the jail, like Paul and Silas, guess what's happening? 
Not only are you in stocks, all of your freedom's taken away, nothing of comforts, and this filth is streaming towards you. That's pretty descriptive, and I apologize. But I want you to picture it in your mind. You would be there. Most of us would be going, this isn't fair, right? And it wouldn't have been fair. You probably have some right. But it says Paul and Silas all night long praised God. They sang hymns and songs and prayers of praise so much that the whole jail was transformed because they couldn't imagine how could someone lift their hearts and minds and voice to God in such a dirty, horrible place in their lives. But there is something so beautifully inspiring to our own hearts and those around us when we do that. You know, the, the, the great story that many of you heard of Horatio Spafford, whose wife and kids, they took a, a ship across the ocean. He was going to go meet them in a few days, and the ship sank. And his wife survived, but sent him a telegram saying, all of our kids are drowned. They're dead. And she was deeply grieving. So, of course, he gets on a, a boat to go meet his w- wife as soon as he can. And as he's going over the place, imagine, right, he's, he could sing that song, right? My tears are my food. You know, where is God? He could, he could have all of those things going on in his mind. All of his kids drowned. And over the very place where that, that, uh, um, where that ship sank, he wrote one of the greatest Christian hymns the church has ever known. When he wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. How many funerals have we sang that? When we say with tears goodbye or so long to a brother or sister in Christ, but we say because God is good, it is well with my soul. That is something so powerful to worship through the deepest, hardest places of pain and tears and hardship. And it's through that that God will not only encourage you through your pain, but he'll encourage others. And like when you know someone who's in the room even right now going through a real, real deep place of suffering and you see him stand and sing and you see him give praise to God, doesn't that just encourage your soul? And so then someday, maybe soon, maybe later, when you're going through a deep place of pain, you remember, just like the psalmist did. I remember when my brother, my sister, that person, that I I can do that too. I can worship God through this storm. And that's what worship will do. Another psalm that that I I love and um, one that you've probably heard is in Psalm uh, 34. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. You see how individual worship, he's saying, it's always on my lips. Like, what an attitude of, to, to have. Man, isn't that something that we should be practicing or doing our best to prioritize? To say, man, I want to constantly be finding ways in my daily life to praise God. When you do that, the frustrations and the hardships and the stuff of this world, and there's a few of those right now, amen, I think, that stuff, it's still there, but it so pales when you keep looking at who God is and what he's done. And so that, though, leads to the gathering. So he's, he's worshiping, then he says, hey, Everybody, let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord with me, encouraging others to come. 
right? And he said, he, he said in, in the, the previous verse, he said, my soul makes its boast in the humble, let the, the, or in the Lord, let the humble hear and be glad. So worship is about perspective as well, right? It's about perspective. That, that it doesn't matter if you're a king, and I don't know if we have any of those here, I, I doubt it, but uh, or if you're a president, or if you're a, a CEO of a multi-trillion dollar company. Man, the, the chief problem with mankind over the generations is that we have lost sight of who deserves worship, and we worship ourselves and our own good actions. When, he says, the more you see who God is, and what he's done, and who he really is, and his character of holiness, and beauty, and goodness, and love, the more humble you become, and realize, who am I? Worship is so good for the soul because it puts us in the place that we need to be. Now, here's one that I don't know what your church background is, but you've probably heard. We, we say this a lot, mainly because this first uh, in Psalm 100, first verse, says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Right? We usually do that to say, hey, let's sing. God's people have always been a people of song. In fact, music, and I say this all the time, it isn't something someone invented. Nobody sat around going, huh, if you tap, right, like, oh, I'm going to invent music. Go anywhere on this planet, any culture of any time, there's music. It sounds very different than the music you might like, right? But it is music. It is rhythm. It is feeling. It is heartfelt. Sometimes it's, it's, it's somber and sad and brings out great feeling. And sometimes it's, man, make a joyful noise to the Lord. I love when God's people, you go to a lot of other cultures, man, you go, they're dancing, they're singing, right? They're going, they come to New England church like ours, oh boy. Our idea of making a joyful noise is, yeah, woo, all right. Unless the Patriots are playing, and then somehow it comes out. I don't know how that happens. But, but I think even though we might be a little bit differently, different culturally, and I don't think there's any one way to do it, the idea is sing. And because it comes out in a way that we can now praise God because he deserves it, right? So he says, make a joyful noise, worship. He says, is serving, right? He says, serve the Lord with gladness. Did you know that when you come and you serve God, you're worshiping God? Like, let's pretend you're in the, uh, the nursery ministry, and you're down, you're, you're, you're holding somebody's baby who's up here so they can be here with us, and you're, you're doing that service to God and to that family. And you're taking care of babies. And even if you really like babies, which hopefully you do if you're doing nursery. But, you know, and, and, and you're doing that, that. If you're doing it because you love God and you want others to love God, you are in that moment worshiping him. Or you're fixing something because you love God. Or you're cleaning something. Or do whatever it is for service, it's actually doing it. If you do it with gladness, it's actually doing it to wor- is worship to God. And so... He continues, I desperately need some water like that deer, hold on. It's a beautiful illustration. Every time you're thirsty, think, i got to worship, right? That may be the only thing you remember out of the sermon, and I'll still consider that a win, all right? He says, know that the, the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with 
praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So again, they corporately gather. Why do they worship? Why do we worship? Because God is good. Every single thing in your life that is good comes from God. Everything that is good, that you love. So this is good, right? That's a gift from God. Right? That anyone in the world, whether you're an atheist, an agnostic, what anyone can enjoy the, the gifts God gives. Right? Any one of us can enjoy the beautiful cut of filet or mignon or, uh, you know, can, can enjoy, uh, you know, something that, you know, walk on the beach or sunset or enjoy uh, a child or a grandchild or, or whatever. All of us, no matter who you are, can enjoy it. The problem when you don't know God is it stops there. You just worship the gift instead of recognizing the gift giver. And so when you have that, that food that you love or you, that child that you love, you can look and you can enjoy and you say, praise God. He's good. He gave this to me. All that is good comes from him. Right? All of it comes from him. And so that's why we're called to gather, to gather with God's people. So last one of the Old Testament I want to show you because this one has nothing to do with song. This is in Nehemiah chapter 8, where they gathered, they were, uh, came back from Babylonian captivity and were rebuilding the walls and doing all of that. And so in Nehemiah chapter 8, it says this, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. That's different than Nixon's water gate, just so we're clear, all right? Okay. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, and the first day of the seventh month. So it's always been important. We always associate worship with song, and it is, but it's not the only thing. Testimony of praise of who God is can be in song, but it could also be in, in words. That brings worship. And here we see the importance of God's truth. It is critical to worship. Like, don't say, ah, oh, I just like to worship God. I don't, I don't need the Bible that much. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Truth it, it, it actually, it goes into our minds and then sinks into our heart and inspires us to worship, right? So, so what I'm doing right now, right, is worshiping God because what I'm doing, I'm not preaching my opinion. Nobody needs my opinion. I got them. You don't need them. Trust me. What I'm doing is giving you truth, whether you like it, you don't, you're, it does, it's, it's God's truth because the more truth sings into our lives, you worship God. You realize who he is, what he's done, what he deserves, Right? So this is worship, and then anytime you or I are hearing truth, whether it's read from Scripture, or it's taught, or preached, or exhorted, or sung, right? it is an act of worship by receiving, and right now you're saying, I'm trying to consider how I might love God more, worship God more. Right this second, if that's what you're doing, you're worshiping God. It's critical to the gathering. That's why it's part. It's not like we worship and then we preach a sermon and learn about God. No, 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 no. The whole thing is worship. Even afterwards, if you go and laugh with a friend and pray with someone who needs it, you are worshiping. You're gathering as God's people, right? And you are worshiping. And so remember, in this assembly, he says that both men and women and everyone who could understand, that would include older children, anyone who can understand truth is invited to gather. 
It's one of the most unique things. We don't gather based on, like, we're not all the same. We got all kinds of backgrounds here, ages and all kinds. It doesn't matter because we are united in one thing. We want to worship God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the church, right, when we get to the, the New Testament, I'm just going to give you one, and I'm going to, one uh, passage from Hebrews, and you actually see part of it up here, and you'll see it in the next four weeks, that, that worship continues even after Christ, except it changes a bit. And how it changes is it actually clears up. Right? Things become clear. Watch w- with me what the Hebrews writer says. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Right? So now we're in the church. And if you remember when we did our faith series, Hebrews writers writing at a time where things are really hard. Right? And people are turning back and they're, 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 they're threatening to just not meet anymore because, because there was so much persecution and so much stuff coming against them. And so he's, he's just imploring them, please let us collectively come together and together, what do we do? We hold fast. We cling to hope. What is that hope? It's the gospel. We cling to the fact that Jesus died for us, that we are a redeemed people, that we have an eternity in heaven with God, that we have good gifts for God. We are made now to worship God. We are newly created. We cling to this hope, even in those dark times where we can't see it or or feel it. It doesn't feel like we're experiencing it. We cling together to that hope. And we stir each other up. So when one day you are feeling great and you're praising God, it encourages me. And then maybe the next week you're feeling kind of, uh, and, and you, you see me, and you, I encourage you. That's why we gather. That's what the Hebrews writer is saying to do. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And so what happens now in the New Testament, in the church, is we don't throw out all of the worship of the Old Testament. It just becomes clear. Who has glasses? I can see some, but I need to get mine to show you. Ah, now I can see who's sleeping. Okay, here we go. Now, the reason I don't wear them is not a vain thing. It's just when I, these are for distance, and I have a really hard time reading, and I just don't want to keep doing this. So I'd rather a few blurry faces and be able to read when I'm up here. But it is a little bit blurry because I don't have great far eyesight. So what I do is, ah, it clears it up. And so now things haven't changed when you look back at the Old Testament. It's just been made clear. The gospel has been made clear. They always sang and worshiped God for his amazing love. Now we gaze upon the cross of Christ and we really, really can sing of God's love. Right? They always sang about God being the redeemer and their savior right? Now we, we, we look at what happened as Jesus died in our place, God's own son, and we sing and we praise God because now we really understand how God is our Savior and Redeemer, don't we? Now it crystallizes. It, it clears up. We sing of God's holiness. We sing of God's justice. We sing of God's grace and mercy, and we, we testify to it, right? So worship hasn't changed. It's just now been completely crystallized and cleared up, and so that's why every purpose of the church is to worship God, but it is gospel-centered. It is because of Christ and what he's done and what he will do. He will come back. You can go back to sleep now. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. So we need to prioritize worship, right? And, and, and that's kind of just what I, I want to leave us with today 
is one of our purposes is to prioritize worship. So I, I put that word prioritize purposefully, right? Because all of us have priorities, right? And it's because you can, it's, it's, it's hard. It's like, all right, Jamie, I, when, I, when I hear s- sermons about worship, it usually ends up being kind of guilt-ridden, shameful, like, you don't worship enough. You're not worshipers. You sing more. You got to do it, right? And, and you just end up believing, going, you're right, but I feel I don't really know how to do it, right? And so I just want you to leave here being encouraged that you can worship more. It just has to be a priority. Anything in your life that's a priority, you practice. Anything in your life that is a priority, you practice. Whether it's a discipline, it's a musical instrument, a sport that you do, a career that you, you're, you prioritize your marriage, you're going to practice things in your marriage to prioritize it. You're going to make time. You're going to actually, like, that's just how it is, right? So if worship is a priority, and it should be, if it isn't for you, if you have no desire, then you're most likely not a Christian. Like you can call yourself a Christian and go to church, but you don't have a heart for God. If you have a heart for God, and you're just like, but I just find myself not, okay, you are, you just need to prioritize it. And it starts with truth, right? It starts with truth. That's why we read our Bibles. A lot of other things come out of reading truth and hearing truth, but that's one of the greatest purposes of his truth is it teaches us who God really is, what he's really done, and what he's promised he's going to do. And man, it leads you to worship. To prioritize worship is prioritize it through song, through prayer, through testifying, even to yourself or in the small groups or in your family. Talk about God and how great he is. Not disingenuously, but just as things happen. God is so good. Look at this. This is amazing. This meal or this time or this vacation or this. This is from God. And, And keep doing that and prioritize doing that. And so as we've seen, hand in hand or like hand in glove, Personal worship always turns into corporate worship. The more you personally worship God, the more you're going to want to gather with God's people. And the more you gather with God's people and worship God, the more you're going to want to personally worship. If we do not prioritize worship or gathering with others, it will fade. It will fade. And you will, your, your tank will empty and get emptier and emptier and emptier. And so, last verse. Continue with that Hebrews verse. He, he had said... Let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for you who promise is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another in love with good works, and not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Right? So they were, he's saying, you have to get together. You just do. And so prioritize the worship gathering. If you want to be a better worshiper of God individually, you gather with others because we encourage each other. We lift each other up. Just being next to each other, just seeing each other, it's an encouragement. And man, there's plenty of statistics out there that, that more and more those calling themselves God's people are deprioritizing the gathering. I don't know, maybe it's our fault. Maybe they're thinking, oh, it's about the sermon and I can get to that online. You can't. And you also could catch far better preachers than me or Bob, trust me. Because you can get anything on the internet now, right? And I encourage you to do that. I do that, right? I listen to a lot of sermons all week. That's not what, why you come. You come to worship with a local body of others. You come to be encouraged and to encourage others. When I'm not here, when you're not there, others miss you, whether you know that or not. And it needs to be a priority. More and more and more in a day where it's less and less a priority. And so... 
um, what we have done um, over in the commons afterwards is for this week, like I said, each week there's going to be different ministries that you can go talk to someone or, or plug into. This week we focused on the gathering. Right? So there's six different ministries represented. Uh, last night, um, Steve charged at me because I forgot uh, one of them. And I meant, so I'm not going to forget. I'm going to lead off with that so he doesn't get upset back there. Uh, he, um, he leads our media team, which involves all the stuff they do back there, also other things, camera, photography, social media, all of that. Right? And so if that's something that you're interested in, he'll be over there to, to talk to. Our nursery will be represented over there. We really need help. We're just barely able to open our nursery at our 11 o'clock. So we, we, that's not everybody's gift, but if it is yours, we can use help. Children's church, same with that. Those who have a gift with children or like to be involved with kids, we need a lot of help there. Um, coming out of quarantine and COVID and all of that, we've, we've lost some people, so we, we need help there. Uh, the refreshment team will be over there. So that's those who kind of set up, make coffee, that kind of thing. If that's your thing, talk to someone over there. Um, also, the Connect team as well is over there. Uh, that's the people who greet. If you're a friendly person, and I see plenty of friendly faces, a few aren't so, but no, I'm just kidding. If a lot of friendly faces, go over there, and it's a pretty easy ministry to be a part of. And then uh, lastly, our worship team, if you have a musical ability or instrument. Not just you like to sing, but you actually have a gift to it uh, uh, of an instrument, then go talk. We definitely could use help. We have three gatherings a weekend, so we, we, f- we do not let anyone be on the worship team more than um, half the, uh, the, the month, right? So only two weeks out of the month. That's why you see different people up here because we are not looking to burn anyone out. Um, sometimes we have to put Timmy under lock and key uh, to, to not be here every, every week. So, so if that's you, go talk to someone, right? We, we want you to understand we do need help. It's not necessarily for everyone, but if you're like, you know, like last week we talked about stepping into God's calling for us to gather well and just we need to serve well. So maybe there's one of those things that... Um, that uh, you can at least ask questions about and, and plug into. Even if you're really new, doesn't matter. We'll talk to you, right? You don't have to be here for like, you know, eight years before you can get involved and, and serve using the gifts God's given you. And so here's what I want to do. I want to pray, and as I'm praying, uh, pray for yourself or for others that, that God would make us better worshipers and that God would uh, um, raise us up, to plug us in so that we might worship and invite so many others to gather with us for the chief purpose of our lives, right? To bring praise and worship to God. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we do worship you. You deserve all praise, all glory, all honor. Our purpose here is to praise you, God. We repent if there's ever been any time that we've, we've made it about entertaining or we've made it about Um, being cool or I I don't know Lord I pray that we will always be a church that just wants to make a joyful noise to you when things are going great and good things are happening that we praise you together and Father when we're some of us are in deepest darkest night of our souls that we'll still seek after you as a deer pants after, after the water, Lord, that we would have that heart together, that, that we would prioritize worship in our lives. Oh, Holy Spirit, just give us a heart for worship. Give our, 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 just give us a desire to be with others who worship you. And Lord, may we, like Paul and Silas, may, may the world around us see us and say there's something different. I want that. That they will catch it, the worship attitude that we have for you 
that whatever we do, even when we make mistakes or forget things, or that may we just worship you. You deserve it, Father. I pray, God, that you would raise uh, people up to, to, to step in and serve in ways that we can worship better and, and have more opportunities to worship. So, Lord, raise us up. Give us a heart for service and worship. Oh, Lord, only you can do that. I lay it before you. Father, I pray you'd invite into relationship anyone here who's just not a Christian, if never had a heart for you, they've never put their faith in Christ, that today that they would say, I want you, Jesus. I believe you died. I believe you rose. I believe you're coming again. Lord, that you would save souls today in our midst. Oh, God, you are the King of kings, Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Let's stand and worship together.